Rapid diagnostic tests are transforming treatment of malaria, according to researchers reporting to the American Society of Tropical Medicine and Hygiene annual meeting here in Atlanta. A session on diagnosis at the conference was co-chaired by Claire Chandler, who's been using rapid tests for malaria in Ghana. We've found over the last few years that there's been a huge overuse of antimalarials for patients who actually aren't parasite positive. Um, For a long time we uh, equated fever with malaria in malaria endemic countries and so every every, particularly children but also adults with fever was prescribed an antimalarial routinely. Um, Things have changed particularly driven by the the new antimalarials which are artemisinin combination therapies. They're very expensive um, and they've been requiring a lot of subsidy and the other issue with them is that there's a potential for resistance to emerge and so as a strategy to reduce cost and avoid resistance we're really trying to target antimalarials to those people who have parasitemia. It's important to know how to introduce any kind of new test or, or new treatment and in Ghana you've been looking into this can you tell me what you did? Um, I was doing a qualitative study which was part of a larger randomised control trial led by my colleague Evelyn Ansar. Um, She did a study to introduce rapid diagnostic tests into the routine clinical environment. In some cases that was places where they currently have no laboratory so they were using clinical diagnosis and in another setting it was where they already have microscopy available. And she was giving them an alternative to use RDTs and then seeing how they prescribed uh, with that alternative. So you gave the health workers the possibility of using the rapid test uh, but um, what did they do with it and how did they like it? People really uh, valued having the rapid diagnostic test particularly in the areas where they had no testing facilities previously Um, however the tests didn't always mean that the clinician would restrict antimalarials to those people with a positive result. And there was a, there's an existing culture of prescribing antimalarials to people with fever, and, and the clinicians believed that they could see the clinical signs of malaria and still treated for malaria. In fact, I think some people were quite surprised that many of the patients who they thought definitely had malaria in fact didn't. Yes um, there was a lot of surprise amongst the health workers in this study that patients uh, came out with a negative test result and in some cases people just didn't believe the result. In other cases people sort of experimented with that and said okay let me see what happens if I go and find this child three days later let's see if they've recovered even though I haven't given them an anti-malarial and so in some cases uh, they really you know they did make a difference. Remarkably, we we heard here in the Solomon Islands that although malaria can be quite prevalent, it's quite asymptomatic. Now, is that a a place where you would therefore use one of these rapid tests? Um, In that that setting... um The epidemiology of malaria is that it's a very low endemicity, so there's not very much malaria there. And um, this study found that there was a very low-density parasitemia of Plasmodium vivax. And what she was actually showing was that rapid diagnostic tests wouldn't necessarily be the most appropriate test to find those low-density parasites, and that PCR, an alternative method of looking for parasites, um, would give a different picture. Um, That's really relevant for transmission so thinking about patients who are able to or they're not patients people who have 
malaria parasites at a very low density who are able to transmit those parasites to other patients via mosquitoes, um, but they're not actually clinically suffering from the disease. So it's not a matter of case management, it's much more a matter of disease surveillance. Um, and, and as they're moving towards elimination, I think the suggestion there was that different types of testing method would be most appropriate to detect the parasites. Now, one of your speakers was in favour of using clinical diagnosis, looking at the patient and looking at a combination of things, but I must say it didn't sound very convincing to me. Um, I think he, well, he did mention that he was looking at that for fun um, <laughs> because he, he was, you know, in, enjoying trying to make a clinical differential. I think it's very important in settings where you ha don't have access to laboratories to be able to make at least a first differential diagnosis um, to have some kind of idea of the likelihood that you should that of malaria um, parasitemia and, and therefore going on for further testing. I think it was most appropriate for returning travellers and, and sort of less, um, less useful in, in Africa. Now significantly there was a quick test talked about for cerebral malaria because apparently we were hearing that uh, if you have retinopathy that means that you probably have got with 100% or near 100% certainty cerebral malaria but what you need is a blood test for it and there's something called a PHRP2. Um, what did you make of that? That's the histidine rich um, protein and um, what he was what this presenter was showing was that if you've got higher levels of that histidine rich protein in the blood then it's an indicative of uh, severe malaria and they compared that with retinopathy which is a very good proxy for um, cerebral malaria because he because they were showing that uh, actually about a quarter of the patients who end up with looking like they have cere uh, cerebral malaria at autopsy a quarter of those patients actually have died of something else and not cerebral malaria so it's incredibly important that um, they've made this um, ability to classify patients according to um, cerebral malaria versus other um, looking for other potential causes and treatments. And you mentioned this very sensitive laboratory test PCR. Uh, the, the final speaker did talk about uh, an ability to measure tiny, tiny, tiny concentrations of parasites. Uh, were you impressed with that? Yes, I mean this is a, again very important and I think it demonstrates the, the breadth of the need for diagnostics. It's not just in case management and in this case um, these were sub clinical infections in terms of the patients weren't at, wouldn't actually be suffering from malaria at that point um, and it's before they even become um, positive by a microscopy slide reading. So um, this is really important for settings when they're doing vaccine trials um, where they need to be able to detect these very small levels of infection and you know it's a, it's a very interesting study. How do you feel the whole area then of diagnostics in malaria is going? Were you encouraged by this morning's session here in Atlanta? It's very exciting. There's a huge amount of activity going on at the moment in diagnostics and it's partly because we need to target those anti-malarial drugs through case, better case management but also um, improving diagnostics is very important to ensure that we capture those patients that do have malaria who we previously may have um, classified as not having malaria so these um, uh, smaller uh, levels of parasitemia that these other tests can can detect is is really exciting and yeah it's a it's a great field to be working in at the moment. Claire Chandler of the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine talking to me here in Atlanta at the American Society of Tropical Medicine and Hygiene annual meeting. For Audio News, I'm Peter Goodwin.